freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Eward is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. On Seattle Sports. We're going to do you a minute. It doesn't really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It kind of does, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Salk. Hello! All right, two hours left in our week anyway, and then it is long weekend time. President's Day weekend, day off on Monday. Sorry, we will not be in on Monday. Uh, I think they're doing best of. Is that right, Moore? We not have best sorry. of? My alarm is not going to go off at 4 a.m. No, I mean, it's I'm not. Small, yeah, but. I mean, sorry, not sorry, really, is what that is. But we won't be here. Uh, we will uh, we'll be uh, sleeping. But uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, back in, and then uh, the following week, we're in spring training, which is going to be great. Can't wait. Thursdays are now John Schneider Day. And he said something yesterday. Look, he talked about Geno Smith. You've heard the promos. Basically, he said, you know, we're in it, but didn't say all that much. I didn't think that was the most interesting thing he said. I want to play you some sound from John Schneider that I think helps me understand not just the Geno Smith situation, but everything he's up to right now. This was Schneider yesterday on the debut of the John Schneider show on with Wyman and Bob. You know, at this point last year, Russell Wilson was our quarterback, you know, and, uh, you know, all the push, you know, the trade stuff and all that, like, hadn't happened yet. And then, you know, now we started getting into all this and, you know, there was all, you know, a lot of talk and then we headed down a road. So, yeah, you have to be ready for yeah, A, B, C. And the, the cool thing about working with Pete is he's very pliable. Like he, he can, his mind is like I know you guys have interviewed him before. He's, he can, he, you know, he's he can just he can he's, he can just keep going and he can accept all the information. So you can you can literally say to him, you know, I've worked with people that that, that can't do that. They, mm-hmm. that. Their mind doesn't work as, as quickly as his does, and, and 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 they don't process the information or as quickly, or um, they're not open to all the different scenarios because they have to fix something, you know, in a, in a specific order. I think that's really interesting. It, it, to me, it sounds like what John and I guess Pete are great at doing, and I'm sure you have to as a GM like John in, in spots like this, is processing multiple if-then scenarios. If this, then that. If A, then B. If Gino signs for X, then we only can do Y. If Gino leaves, then we need to bring in so-and-so. If we can get him at this price, then we can, you know, spend some money on this other need of ours. If we get the guy we want in the draft, then we can trade away this pick. If we don't and this guy is gone, then we want to do. He's got to process an infinite number of if then scenarios based on a million different ifs. And I, it dawns on me that that is among the most important things that any general manager, especially in football, it's true in all sports, but especially in football because of the sheer number of people on your roster, because of the 53 guys that you're dealing with at once and the salary cap and the draft being as important as it is in that sport and then throw in the quarterback situation, which is which is everything for these guys, for these teams. Yeah, it, 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 it's I never thought of it that way. I think we all sort of know that that's what a GM has to do and that when one thing happens, you've got to react. But it's about having a plan. And that's what they're doing right now is running through all of those if then scenarios. And you got to be able to process, as he says, there many of them at the same time. So why do Pete and John work together so well? They've lasted here, what, 13 years together as a tandem, something that 
I think most of us did not think at the very beginning would work because of the sort of amorphous structure between them. We weren't exactly sure, okay, who's in charge, et cetera. And Pete was always like, no, 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 we're not. No one's in charge. We just kind of work on it together. I think it became clear over time that Pete was more in charge than he was letting on in that moment. And over time, I think John has grown in the organization more and more so. But why do they work so well together? Because they're not exactly the same. Trust me. I've spent a little time with both of them. They are not the same. They are not wired the same way at all. But if they both have this skill in common, an ability to walk down multiple roads at the same time, I can see why that's led to some of the success that they've had together. So really good. I, I really enjoyed that from Schneider. And I think it's very a very big leading window into where they're at with Geno Smith, more so than his answer on Geno Smith. The answer is we're in it. We'll see what happens. But the real answer is, hey, look, we're processing multiple scenarios at the same time. And all of those have to start with what do you do with the quarterback position? Because it leads to what do you do with the number five pick? It leads to what do you do in free agency? It leads to what do you do with the rest of your picks? It leads to what do you trade? You got to get the quarterback thing figured out first. So is it going to be Geno? And is it going to be at the price you want? If so, plan A. Is it not going to be Gino? Plan B. Is it going to be Gino at a price that you didn't want to go to, but at some point you felt like you had to? Oh, it's plan C, right? And I'm sure that the alphabet is not enough. 26 plans probably doesn't do it for all the various scenarios that are out there for the Seahawks at the quarterback spot and then beyond and everything that goes with it. So I think that's actually more telling and does continue to tell me that they are considering very highly the possibility that Gino might not be here and the fact that he might be. I'm not trying to tell you he won't be here. This isn't a, I heard John speak and now I think Gino's gone, but I hear John speak and now I think that they've got to be prepared for anything. And we as fans and people in the media, we should be as well. So that's, that's one of the big things I get out of John Schneider. He goes on to talk a little bit more here about his process, which I found very interesting. Uh, I'm not a journaling person. Do either you guys keep a journal? No. I don't either. I've never been good at that. I've never kept a journal or a diary or anything like that. But Schneider does. He keeps a draft journal every year. At that point is when I really started keeping a journal and, uh, you know, writing down all the lessons about, you know, certain situations. I remember writing about uh, Kellen Winslow when he was in his uh, motorcycle accident, you know, with Cleveland and how would I handle it? And, you know, what would you say publicly and how would you handle it in-house and how do you try to protect him and help him and everything like that? So I remember starting it at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the biggest bummer was that uh, the first year Pete and I were together, I had my car broken into and they took my laptop and, and my, my journal. So um, they found a laptop at a crack house in, in Olympia, um, but I didn't get my journal back. <laughs> That's like the most John Schneider story I've ever heard, by the way. Uh, something tells me he's better at backing it up now, and I'm sure he's using the cloud in a way that he couldn't then. Um, and thank God it was only that, and that it wasn't stolen by like another team or something like that. He explains more, though, on why it's so important. But yeah, it really helps around draft time. And I would say specifically, you know, like the night before, you know, I'll, I'll sit in there by myself and just stare at the board and, you know, pray on it and, 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 and go through my journal and kind of say, hey, you know, okay, so the sec remember the second the first round looked like this and you had to be more patient here you had to be more aggressive there when you got to the middle of the second round it looked like this and you know you drafted for need here and you know this went well that didn't go well and you know all the little things that you write down right after the draft and you have to get it down and that 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 really helps me 
to have a level of, um, uh, you know, a strategic level of, 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 of patience and confidence. Can I be honest with you guys for a minute? Can I, can I be, can I be transparent here for a moment? Confession, as Brock likes to say, this is a safe space, bad for the reputation, good for the soul. I am so jealous of what John just said. I would love to be able to do that. I would love to be better at keeping notes, better at taking notes on my life, on scenarios, on things that come up every year so that I could be better at doing them the next year. I would love to learn more from my mistakes. I'm terrible at it, and I keep making them. I'm a mistake repeater sometimes, which is so stupid, right? You hate making mistakes a second time. First time, fine. Second time, ugh. Third time, you're an idiot, right? Like, I, I just, I, 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 I am so in awe of people who can do that. I am not anti-journal. I've just never been able to do it myself. I'm not great at the whole note-taking thing and, and just having that system that really works for you. And the fact I'm sure in a job like his, you have to. You have to have something like that that grounds you because it's so complex, as we said earlier, right? There's so many scenarios coming at you. And then when you throw in the draft, my God. Right. I mean, all of the people that are looking to make deals and do you want to move up and you want to move down and did this work out for us the last time? And will it work out for us this time? You know, the value of all of those picks and what else do you want to do with them? I mean, that is that is that's his whole gig. Listen to how complex this can be. You know, right around at the 53, you know, people are just like, uh, no, I'm not going to give you a seventh round pick. Are you kidding me? Like it's, you're holding on to your firstborn, you know, right. or, a, or a six round pick or whatever. And then you get into the draft, and it's like you know, all throughout the draft, it's like, hey, I'll give you four, I'll give you two, I'll give you one, and you're just moving around like crazy, fielding calls like crazy. So yeah, to your point, you know, you just you're just throwing around, you know, it's it's uh yeah, it's a it's a interesting that just the different phases of the season. You know, you know, are always, you know, different in terms of the compensation for people. Well, and just understanding that you don't want to get burned on any of that and you want to make it all work for you. The experience has to help. He's been doing this well over a decade and, you know, understanding the mistakes you've made in the past, the successes you've had in the past, how you can avoid the former and repeat the latter. Pretty cool. And I liked hearing that yesterday. Wyman and Bob are going to have John every Thursday at four o'clock between now and the draft. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, the Mariners have now worked out. Pitchers did so yesterday through bullpens, etc., which was great to see. What did we learn? A little bit. Robbie Ray been working on another new pitch, which he told us about yesterday. He was a little uncomfortable revealing what it was, but then Jerry Depoto spilled the beans and told us it's a new splitter. Apparently, Logan Gilbert is also working on a splitter, and they're not alone. Pete Whitworth pitching coach on with Bump and Stacy yesterday. I think every single one of them will have a new weapon this year. A handful of those guys got off the mound today. Yeah, Robbie's got one. Kirby's got one. Gilbert's got one. Flexen's got one. Nice to have, you know, but, you know, that being said, there's, it's, it's nice to have when they're all good at it. <laughs> and, and I think they, you know, they all, they're, they're all very good at what they do. And, and I think that, you know, it's, having something different, a different flavor, a different look with each day. And, you know, if you're playing those three or four game series, you know, it's why we've always said it's very hard to win four game series. We'll uh, go through it with G why the Mariners are going to be better this year than last year coming up in a few minutes, but why the Mariners are going to be good because of what Jerry just said, because you've got six starting pitchers that are all pretty darn good at what they do. 
Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, busy time of the year for John Schneider. He said they're basically working 12-hour days plus every day right now leading up to the draft with a quick week off to just catch your breath and then get ready to go. Where do they stand with Geno Smith? He told Wyman and Bob. This isn't like, you know, because we you can't sign people until... Uh, you know, free agency doesn't start until what middle of March. So you, yeah. you know, there's a huge period here where we have time to, you know, work through things. And where are we with Gino? Yeah, uh, you know, good talk so far. Yeah. Um, we're 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 in it. We're just trying to you know figure out what's best. Trying to figure out what's best. But he went on to say, and I thought it was very interesting how they have to process so much in a totally different direction. And if Gino decides that he wants to go play with Dave Canales in Tampa, that would be interesting. Now, that took a big hit today. If you're a Seahawks fan, you like this news. Rumors coming out of Tampa are that they're going to take all of Tom Brady's cap hit this year. All, I think it's $35 million or so of that cap hit. They want to take it all at once this year. If that's the case, hard to see how they would be trying to sign Geno Smith. Here's the third thing you need to know. What a game for the Kraken last night. They just looked fantastic. Uh, I thought Yanni Gord played his best game as a member of this team since they drafted him. He was great. Expansion drafted him. He was just awesome. They win 6-2. He was the predominant factor in five of those goals. Scored two, assist on one, set the screen on one more, and was the other guy on the two-on-one when Jared McCann put a puck in the net. Here's Kevin Hayes. Beautiful play by McCann. Short-handed with Yanni Gord. A partial two-on-one. McCann scores! McCann makes that play, obviously. It's his goal. But Yanni Gord driving hard to the front of the net and just willingness to pay the price throughout the entirety of those 60 minutes last night. Huge part of the reason why they were able to win. Also nice to see Matty Beneers come alive. He had a goal and an assist. Meanwhile, golf yesterday. I mean, what a finish. What a finish. Gutted it out. Birdie. Birdie. I don't know if he was talking about the three birdies on that hole for Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, and Tiger Woods, or the three birdies that Tiger finished with yesterday on 16, 17, and 18. But what a scene at the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the Mike, on the Brock and Salk Show. Excuse me. Not yes. quite everything you need to know. Oh, what else do we need to know? Um, this is important. I wish Justin was here mm. um, for this as well. But a little news from uh, Travis Kelsey on Jimmy Fallon last oh, night. Oh, no. Yeah, I used to watch Saturday Night, Saturday night Live with my mother. And um, it's, a, it's an absolute honor and a, and a privilege to be uh, hosting SNL March 4th. <laughs> Look I, at I me, guy. Look at me, guy, hosting Saturday Night Live. <sighs> I'm usually an SNL fan. I'm trying to think of other athletes who've done this. So obviously Brady, Manning, Peyton Eli Manning, uh, Charles Barkley. I think has done it. Uh, who else? I'm trying to think of other has athletes. JJ Watt done it. Oh, I think he did do it. That does make sense. I think JJ Watt did do it. Yes. Yeah, he's kind of a look-at-me guy, too. Not in the same way. I don't mind J.J. Watt as much. Travis Kelsey just a look-at-me guy. Just look at me, look at me, and now he's going to be on SNL? Mm. 
Other athletes? Can you think of other athletes that I'm, have hosted uh, SNL? I'm at a list right now. Some of them are like, oh, this is older. It feels like uh, Magic Johnson should have done it at some point. Michael Jordan? Did Jordan do uh, it? Jordan has done it. Okay. I guess Gretzky did it. Michael Phelps. LeBron James. Sure. Lance Armstrong. I, I think there have been some, some wrestlers. Obviously, The Rock has done it. Yeah, oh, John Andy Roddick Cena. did it. Oh, there you go. Yeah, John Cena. He John became Sanders. an actor. Yeah, there's been quite a few. All right. Well, the next will be Travis Kelsey. So uh, hopefully they do lots of sketches about how important it is for him to be looked at by everybody. we will be in Arizona or coming back, so make sure you record it. Yes, I'll set my DVR right now (laughs) to make sure I get every moment of Travis Kelsey hosting (laughs) Center Night Live. All right. Uh, This hour driven by Wayscar 4. G. Scott will be in to give the people what they want. Next, he had a question for us. Hopefully we can answer or else, uh, you know, G will just be wandering lost through the wilderness. We'll try to help him out next. This this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Oh, the people are going to be happy. They're getting exactly what they want. G. Scott is in the building wearing a Seahawks letterman jacket today. You look like you're uh, ready to go to homecoming. What's going on, man? How are you? You're almost back to your high school weight. I'm good. You're getting there. Bruh. Bruh. The weight I'm at right now. Yeah. Haven't touched this weight since 2001. Wow. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Your boy's 22 trying to, years. Yeah, yeah. Trying to trying to slim it on down. Uh-huh. Y'all. I'm trying to slim it on down. And how much farther are you gonna go? Uh, I gotta go another uh, 26. That's to be still exact. a lot. Yeah, yeah. We're, wow. we're rocking. How many are you down? We're rocking. Um, 20 well, plus. D- 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 depends on when you want to talk about that. Uh, so from, from your absolute height. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna no 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 no. This is. This I don't is, mean to make you is, do math on okay, the radio. I'm, I'm gonna, sorry. No, no. I'm going to share. You guys do the math. I'm going to share where I was okay. in um, December of 2020. Okay. I'm going to share it on here because we family now, right? If nobody listens to this, you can't take this to social media, right? <laughs> like, this is only Brock. It's only radio. This is only Brock and Salk's show okay. exclusive. And it's Friday. Nobody's listening. It's Friday before a long weekend, right. before a long, you know, vacation week. I mean, right. come on. Right, right. So, December of 2020, I was 268 pounds. What? That's not true. Two sixty eight. I just carry it. I mean, wow. I got, I got, I got thick thighs, big booty. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cover that up. You know, belly. This is Cover in the sort of in the up. middle of the pandemic. You're not leaving the house, etc. Two sixty eight. Now let me now let me say this. Uh, a few of my friends we were going to do this challenge, and then we were we're all going to weigh in uh, on Christmas Eve, and so we all got together and we all weighed in, mm-hmm. and we did the weighing in in front of everybody. Mm. Women and men, we wow. all did it. And so when I would, I just want to tell you guys, when I went to go get on the scale, before I did, here's the truth. Had I known that I was 268, I would not have weighed in <laughs> on the scale. So I don't know if you guys have ever done this before, but you ever sometimes haven't weighed yourself in a long time. Mm-hmm. And you go to get on and you're like, well, in the case of me, I was like, mm, I'm probably about 250. That, you know, that's what I was thinking. I'm about 250. You know, your boy ain't been doing right. This whole pandemic's got us tripping in the house, in the crib, and I'm not leaving. When I stepped on that thing, 
and it said 268. Well, first thing, I was embarrassed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Here's my wife-to-be and all her friends. And we're not like, yeah, it was real. Oof. So that was the beginning of, okay, let me start taking this off. And then mm. you guys remember in 2021, I ran every single day in 21. Mm. So it's kind of been a process. So I was 268. Right now, I'm 226. Nice. That way. Yeah. And you got 20, 26 more to 26 go. 26 more to go. I love it. Good job. Congratulations, buddy. Seriously, that is great. So you asked me to uh, come prepared with a little homework. Everybody's giving us homework these days. Brock keeps giving us homework. G gave us a little homework. He said, tell me, what is it you want to know? I need a 30-second sale. Okay. I need you to sell me on why either why and or how the Seattle Mariners are going to be good this season. Or hold on. There's two different answers. That's not what you asked me. I did different homework. Okay. Why are they going to be good? Yeah. Is one answer. Mm-hmm. Why are they going to be better than last year? Is a different answer. Okay. So that's the one. Why are they going to be better than okay. last year? Cuz I'll answer both for you. Why are they going to be good? Pitching, pitching and pitching. Okay. That's your answer. All right. Why are they going to be a good team? Because they have an unbelievable starting rotation. Because they've got a legitimate ace in Luis Castillo. Mm-hmm. They've got three legitimate number two starters in Robbie Ray, George Kirby, and Logan Gilbert. Yeah. And then two more guys who I still think are very good in Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen. Starting pitching is everything. It is the equivalent of having an elite franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. If you've got unbelievable starting pitching, you've got a chance to be a great team. Yeah. And they have it. Right. So that to me is why are they going to be good? Starting pitching. Okay. Why are they going to be better? Now that that's a different question. Okay, that's okay. the sale. That's what I want to know. That's a different question. I want to know. Here we go. Well, uh, people want to know how tall you how tall you are. Well, back in the day, <laughs> and, and look, okay, for all, all the older folks, can't you just answer a question? No, because why does everything have to come with a story about back in the day? Because that's what radio what, is. What story are you, telling. What's that guy's name who sang back in the day? A mod. A mod. Back in the day. I'm, <laughs> uh, look, you're like a mod. Uh, you ask a simple question. She's radio, like, back in the be, day. Because radio is storytelling. If you wanted to get your Mariner and Seahawk news, you just go to your phone. Instead, you go to Brock and Salk. <laughs> this is supposed to be a quick question. Uh, look, I was six one at the height, and now. Your boy like six feet. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Do we not shrink as we, as we, we get older? No, I know. I went from 5'10 to 5'9. It was very yeah, painful. I am six feet tall. Yes. Okay. Right. Got it. Anyway. Back to the Mariners. Why are the Mariners going to be better this year? Yeah. Three reasons. Okay. I got three. Brady and Moore came up with All a few right. more. Write this down, y'all. But I got, I got three reasons why the Mariners are going to be better okay. than they were last year. Last year, they won 90 games. Okay. Okay. I think they're going to win 95 games this year. But here are my three reasons why. Number one, okay. they upgraded at two positions that were probably their weakest last year. Right field, second base. Mitch Hanniger was their right fielder last year. He was hurt most of the year, didn't have a very good season. Okay. And they went out, and the biggest move they made this offseason was trading for a guy named Teoscar Hernandez. Okay. Who, uh, when you see him, you'll think he's here to play safety for the Seahawks. That's how he's built. Oh. Built like a rock. Does Brock like the way he's built? Yes. Brock likes bodies. Well, wait till we get down there a couple weeks. Brock's going to be all over Tay Oscar. Mm. He is ripped. Wow. Handsome man, too. Oh. And according... Brock likes him good looking. According, <laughs> to, according to Bump Stacy's show, mm. smells good. So I don't know if there's a cologne thing going on there, but gee, you may have another new favorite player. Do me, do me a favor. Yeah, Tay Oscar. Matter of fact, if Kevin Martinez is listening, yeah. make sure you warn them. 
We need to find out what's in what he's it. wearing. What he's wearing. All right. But no, what his top three is. Okay. Right, Mar. We need top three colognes that my man's got. All right. Tay Oscar. If he does not remember, if he does not have that creed in his arsenal, he not serious. <laughs> All right. We'll find out what Tay Oscar's wearing, but he is a reason number one. Number two. And then, well, no, just part of that is they upgraded at second base. Also, mm. uh, I think you'll like this Colton Wong kid okay. from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um. He had an interesting story, and when he came, when he talked to us the other day, I had remembered part of the story, but I didn't know the rest of it. So he was called up as a rookie for the playoffs with the Cardinals. This is 2013, and they threw him in. He got a hit in his first at bat in the World Series. He's one for one, highest highs. The next game, I think it is game six or whatever it was, whatever I don't know which game it was, but they they brought him in as a pinch runner to steal a base. Yeah, he got picked off to end the game. Ooh, brutal. And I was there. I remember it happening. That was like all I knew about Colton Wong. Well, unfortunately, I didn't know that it, it, it really like he struggled with it for two years. He said he lost his mom soon afterwards, and he really hit a, like a rock bottom a couple of years after that. And eventually was able to drag himself back up and became a very productive player. And uh, the Mariners traded for him this offseason. He's going to play second base and should have a better year than what they got last year. He won't get picked off. No, not, not anymore. Especially not now that the uh, pitchers can only throw over a couple of times. So they should be better in right field. They should be better at second base. And if you remember my guy, Luis Castillo, who started game one of the playoffs for them, was so dominant in Toronto. You might remember that Luis. Thank you. That's my Luis Castillo music. I love Luis. You do? Yeah. A lot. He's that good. I think he might. Take out his restraining order at some point. Okay, real, okay, okay. Wait, let me let me get further context with this. Do you love him the same way you love Jordan's? Mm, no, Jordan's in a, a spot of his own. He is my favorite athlete on the planet, okay. bar none. No, Jordan is in his own sphere of of how much I love him. But real, real quick, I heard you mention my one partner, and I'm gonna tell you who my favorite player is. My favorite player on the Mariners. I bet you probably you probably can guess Julio. Julio is 1A, 1B is, is is JP. All right. Well, you asked me for the three reasons I think they're going to be better Sorry, this I year. sidetracked him on his story. I like JP, but he's not part of my three reasons. This is still just reason one. Why y'all be hating on JP? I'm not hating on him. You asked me why they're going to be better. Good looking dude? He's a very good looking <laughs> dude. I, nice swag? I got a lot of nice things to say about JP Crawford, but he's not part of this particular answer. Okay, go ahead. So, number one. Mm-hmm. Upgraded right field, second base, and a full season with their ace pitcher of Luis Castillo. Number two, their young core, G, now has some experience. Experience means a lot in baseball. It takes a a while to really figure the game out and the sequencing and everything else. Yeah. Julio, year better. Raleigh, another year. George Kirby, another year. Logan Gilbert, another year. That's four guys that are major, major parts of, of, of who you are. Two of your five starting pitchers, yeah. your center fielder and best player in Julio, and your catcher in Cal Raleigh. Real quick, yes, um, you've been doing this baseball thing for years. Um, I want to. Here's my quick, my side question about Julio. Julio was amazing. He was uh, a rookie of the year. All of the stuff. You, you know what he's done here mm-hmm. in this town. He's rejuvenated Mariner baseball. He is the conversation. He is the face. Good looking, yes. man, good looking man. By the very, way, very, very nice look. Um, does Julio need to be? Better statistically this year than last year, and if he's I not, say what does that mean? Needs to be, but yeah. he very well might be. I mean, he was only twenty-one years old last year. But what year. if he's not? 
Well, that will hurt. Right, I mean, if he if he takes a step back, that will be a challenge for them, and it's possible. But he, but it's unlikely. But he has, he has such a high bar, such a high ceiling, though. So, he, how does baseball? I know in football mm-hmm. how it's looked at when a rookie doesn't do well the second season. How in baseball is it looked at when someone like so, Julio doesn't have a, a sophomore season? The what way you would say season. is that it's a, baseball is a game of adjustments more than anything else, right? Sure. You like to hit the high fastball, so then they start throwing you the low inside changeup. And then you struggle to hit this, and so they throw you that. And everybody's constantly making adjustments to each other. All right. If the league figures something out about Julio mm-hmm. and comes back with it in his sophomore season and it's a, it's a problem, it'll be up to him to figure out whether or not he can adjust to that. And until he does, he'll continue to see. Because once they find a hole, they will continue to exploit it until you cover up that hole. I don't think Julio's got too many holes. And, and, the, and the number of ways he's found ways to win and, and succeed, not just in the majors, but in the minors leading up to it, not a lot of holes there, man. Okay. I think Julio could be even better than he was last year. Remember, he started slow. And that's actually the third reason why I think the Mariners can be better than they were last year. From June 1st on last year, mm-hmm. they played 100-win pace. From oh. June 1st on, they played at a pace of 100-win baseball. Remember, they won 90 games last year. So from June 1st on, the last four months of the season, right, two-thirds of the season, yeah. They played 100-win pace. That's after Julio really got going. That's eventually when they got themselves Luis Castillo, their ace. They called up George Kirby. They called up Cal Raleigh. A lot of the people that ended up really being the reason why they made the playoffs last year weren't even really part of it when the season began. So why can the Mariners be better than last year? Mm -hmm. They've upgraded their worst positions and their pitching staff. Mm -hmm. Their young core should continue to improve. They don't have a lot of guys who are at the end of the road and getting worse. And they played 100-win pace for two-thirds of the season last year. Mm -hmm. In theory, they should be a 100-win style team moving forward. Now, they're probably not going to have another 14-game win streak, Mm -hmm. right? That was bizarre and amazing and sort of unique. So I'm picking them to win 95-ish games, which would be five more than they won a year ago. Does any of this – now, this is the novice in me, right? Does any of the opinion about the Mariners being good this season have anything to do with where the Major League Baseball All-Star game at is this year? Mm. Is that a little bit more – is that a more – more traction as far as fan engagement? Are we talking about them more? Are we more excited about this team? Because we know That's that we're going to be on prime time. They're going to be seeing Seattle. We know what happened <laughs> uh, 21, 22 years ago when the All-Star game was here. The, actually, the Mariners was the hottest team in baseball. Yeah. And will it happen again this season? Can the Mariners be the hottest team in baseball when the All-Star game is here you in town? What? I haven't thought about that. What do you guys think? Maura, what do you think? Is that, do you think that plays a role at all? I mean, I think it adds to the excitement, but I don't think there would be this kind of confidence if they didn't break the 20-year playoff draft mm-hmm. last year. I think that's the main mm. reason to believe that they'll be better. But it certainly would be cool if all of these guys have the kind of years that we hope they can have. If enough of them kind of hit mm. you know, the, the, the top percentile instead of the bottom, mm. you could see a bunch of all-stars here for the Mariners in their own building. I mean, they've, right. got, they've got guys around the diamond who are perfectly capable of being all-stars. Right. So, yeah, that's an, I hadn't thought they about that. What, that's a good five point. Or five, six players in the MLB Network's top ten at their position. Yeah, I mean, by, they're, they're perfectly capable. By the way, I just, just want to. 
full uh, transparency. I love talking baseball with Mike Salk because, <laughs> and I'm, and this is and this is another question for you. Why is it that you light up so much when you're talking baseball than any other sport? Well, it's my favorite sport. You know, I, I, what I grew up with. For me, sports radio as a kid was essentially baseball radio. Okay. Right? I mean, like, they talked about the other sports, but growing up where I grew up at the time I grew up, mm-hmm. sports radio was mostly, like, talking about baseball and occasionally Chinese food. Like, that that was sports radio that I listened to as a kid. Mm. There was some football thrown in. Don't get me wrong. They still talked about other stuff, but baseball was probably 70% of it. So, yeah, I love it. I love the conversations that baseball leads to. I love... I love baseball. What can I tell you? It's my favorite sport. And I'm, 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 I get giddy this time of year when the weather starts to get a little bit better. We're going to go down to Peoria, down to Arizona for a week or so. Like, I don't know. Those, those things definitely make me happy. It was my first love. Baseball was my first love. And I tell this story all the time. It's probably the best story that I can probably brag about in for baseball. I was at Jamie Moyer's first start. Mm. Cool. Okay, you know what I mean? And when he was with the Cubs, baseball was my first love. Back yeah. in the day, Vince Coleman, and when he was with uh, the, the Cardinals, Cardinals and that rivalry that happened with the Cubs, I was a diehard Cub fan. Leon Durham, Ron Say, Ryan Sandberg, Jamie, you know what I mean? Yeah. Jody Jody Davis, Rick Sutcliffe, Lee Smith was a reliever. Ooh, Lee Smith. I was a baseball was my first yeah. love. Do you think you could come back to it? And so, so this year, the game will look different. Well, they're going to put this clock in. Yeah, games instead of taking three hours are going to take under three. I mean, it sounds Love like it. you may see two and a half hour Love games a lot more commonly. And we had Jeff Passan on saying that this year he predicts we will see a game under two hours. <sighs> that we will see a baseball game take less than two hours. So games are going to be quicker. Yeah. There's going to be more athleticism in it because they're putting the bases closer together and limiting pickoffs. You're going to end up with more hits because they're eliminating the shift, which is taking away a lot of base hits. If baseball has more action, more athleticism, and takes less time, Mm. and the Mariners are good, what's to prevent you from coming back and making baseball a big part of your life? Well, real quick, let's keep it a buck. When it comes to... The Mariners, and I'm not just doing this because this is the partner station for the Mariners. This yeah, you is, don't care about that, the, uh, as trust, we know. Trust me, in the past, <laughs> my opinions of the Mariners will clearly state, state that. But let's be real. In-game experiences for the Mariners over the last 20 years, knowing that they weren't going to the playoffs, has been incredible. Mm-hmm. You add the Mariners' in-game experiences that we all can agree that is phenomenal, and now you add winning to it? Baby! What? Up to about 2001 was a fun. I was probably at no exaggeration in 2000. You were about 226 pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> that too. In, in, in 2000, 2001, by the way, go ahead, shout out to your spots that you used to go to. But in 2001, I probably went to almost 20 games. Like it was pandemonium. It was super exciting. It was yeah. always 40 plus thousand. It was hard well, not to I think we're going to get a lot of that this year. I don't know if it'll be exactly the same, and it'll still take some time uh-huh. for them to continue to build this up. But, gosh, I certainly hope people are pretty darn excited to to show up there. The last time we were there, they played a, an 18-inning, you know, playoff game. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So I uh yeah, I'm I'm very excited for the season. I am. I want let, some, let me let I want me some general style chicken and some orange some orange chicken right now. You like and that? Some, some now that I start talking rice. about Chinese food. Yeah. Right, what's your Chinese food order? What 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 is what do you have to have if you go get Chinese food? Well, I don't have it anymore 
because I don't, I don't want to be fat course, anymore. Right, but, we talked. Uh, but if but I, if, if you're I, getting up to two sixty eight, yeah, you got to eat some Chinese food on the bro, way. That, that 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 orange chicken, bro. <laughs> orange chicken. Oh, that orange chicken. That General Sal. You throw that on top of some fried rice. <laughs> give me some fried egg rolls. Yes, fried rice is a must. You get that 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 fried rice. Pork fried rice. Actually, I judge mm-hmm. right. Like, okay, this is Americanized, y'all. Okay, I judge Chinese food spots. Based on your fried rice, yeah, I can understand the same that. way I judge Mexican restaurants on their chips and guacamole. Mm-hmm. That, that that's kind of like, I, look, I need that to be really good. That's and then the other standard. Things, that's the standard, right? If your fried rice is good, I'm in there, mom. I like ribs. I like Chinese spare ribs. Do you? Yeah, I really like Chinese yeah. spare ribs. Yep, I like the Chinese spare ribs. That's probably my favorite. All right, if I'm got? talking uh, Chinese food. All right, uh, let's talk a few minutes of uh, of football here before we uh, send you on your way. And of okay. course, the Gene Ursula show starts at nine o'clock over on our sister station, ninety seven three Cairo News Radio. And I see that Mike Lewis is on his way in to uh, hang out with you today. In for Ursula mm. as well. Um, Say you're old without actually saying you're old. Yeah, I was at Jamie Moyer's <laughs> first game. Well, All right, now four I mean, two five. That's kind of what you're saying. <laughs> what um, you put any stock into Dave Canales leaving to go to Tampa? Does that affect the Geno Smith conversation at all? Absolutely not. It's Zero. Geno Smith will be a Seahawk next year. Geno Smith will be the starter next year uh, when game when week one happens. First of all, shout out to Dave Canales, um, one of the best looking men in that. Uh, he is Seahawks. a handsome dude. He's a handsome dude. Yeah. Has looked the same. He spent 13 years with the Seahawks. Always been A1 since day one. Uh, he's a really good guy. He knows the game very well. Uh, I think he's going to do some good things. I think, uh, I think the assistant wide receiver coach left as well to go out there with him. He's going to be the wide receiver. Uh, Matt Isaac, I think his name yeah, is. Uh, Brett Isaac. It, 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 something like that. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to him for going out there. Uh, I don't think this does – this is someone getting their opportunity. This is this is Dave Cornelis going out there getting his opportunity. And you don't think there's any chance when he gets his opportunity he wants to – I mean, you know, I've seen the movie Dumb Bring and, the quarterback that I've he played with the, last I've year. I've seen the movie Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. It's always a chance. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's, there's, there's nothing's ever absolute. So, yeah. But, but, but yeah, uh, I don't. If I were Dave Canales, I'd want to bring Geno Smith with me. No? You just had success with him. I mean, you guys have, are, are, are as tight as they seem to be. No. You wouldn't want to try to bring him with you? No, because Dave Canales, I think, understands that he is going out to Tampa Bay and he does not have the full recipe. Mm. There's a recipe that happens here in Seattle. If that's the case, when you leave Seattle, then Gus Bradley's going to be successful as a head coach. Then Dan Quinn is going to be really, even though Dan Quinn did make it to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and then 28 to three and they end up losing it. But anyways, there's, there's a recipe that happens here in Seattle, and that recipe stays here. Right, but why wouldn't you try to bring as many people as possible who understand the recipe? I, that's what I would do if I were him. The first thing I would do if I were Dave Canales. Because, because, because he's he's going over there to be the office of coordinator. I know. The first thing I would do is try to bring Geno Smith with me to try to recreate mm. some of that special sauce. And I, I wouldn't be able to do it entirely. Yeah. But the more allies you can have, the more people that understand what it is you're trying to build, mm-hmm. that seems like a, a huge, huge benefit. Yeah. Look, I don't know if it can happen. Found out today that it sounds like they're going to take $35 million of Brady's cap hit this year. So they just may not flat be able to even try to afford to Geno Smith, and that may kill any of that conversation. But without that, I'm sorry, I think I would disagree with you. If I'm Dave Canales, the first thing I want to do is bring somebody with me. Now, maybe it can be Drew Locke, because that's all they can afford right now in Tampa, and that still gives them a little bit of relationship. Mm -hmm. 
But don't you want to work with somebody that you already have that relationship with? Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice. It'd be cool. But sometimes when you go other places, you find out there are new people that you build relationships with. Mm -hmm. I used to work every single day with Mar Dooley. Mar Mm -hmm. Dooley is fantastic. I would have loved to have taken Mar Dooley over to the news Cairo side. But you know what? Mar Dooley, hey, do your thing here. And Mm -hmm. I go over to that side and I met new friends. Mm Mm-hmm. I better better friends. Than, You'd be better uh, off of more. Better every day. Listen, better friends. <laughs> better friends than my. I, actually, I met better bosses because when I was here on the sports side, <laughs> what is wrong hey, with you, Brady? Just so you know, what I is, had a seriously. Boss. What's wrong with you? The boss that I had here was somebody that used to put me through, uh, make me sit down and listen. And gee, this is what you did wrong, and this is what you did. You and mean you your boss to, who helped you be better at what you do? I mean, don't go into that. I mean, how are you now versus how were you then? Are you better radio host now or then? <laughs> I hope now. <laughs> at least based on the ratings that I see of the GNR Solo show, it seems like you're a little bit better at it now. Maybe that's all because of Chef, your producer over there. Yeah. Instead of taking more, you ended up with Chef, and now you're successful. I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know what that means. More is that, ne- are you taking shots at me now? I'm just saying, maybe Moore's negativity would have weighed you down. Uh, did you know Moore's become, like, real negative? No. Moore's not negative. Mora, would you agree with that? Um... I think I've been funneled into that role mm-hmm. because Justin just supports everything Salk says. Right. Oh, yeah. We used to have other I've, – I've, I've, I've seen that up close and personal when I was here on the sports side. But here's the, but here's the thing, though. In order for you to stay on Mike Salk's good side, mm. you have to play that role. Oh, is that true? Anytime you go against him, then he's, he's kind of done with you a little what bit. What are you talking about? She goes against me all the time. <laughs> That's literally what she does. She fights me on everything. All right. You know what? Get out of here. Stop making fun of me. We are done with you for today. I'm going to live up to your point. Real real quick before I go, I want to give a special shout out to my little buddy, Will. Because I heard Will listens to the show. our guy. Yo, young brother, Will. Hope you're doing well, young brother. (laughs) See you soon, man. All right. There you go. There is G. Scott. Uh, One day, maybe he'll join me at my house after all of the invitations that he's received. But uh, obviously, that day will not be today. All right. From G to Stacy, we'll do that next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710.